0: Greetings, puny human improviser. Welcome to Yes Spot. Today's guest is Roy Yarnick.
1: everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of YesBot, a new podcast about improvisation and robotics. My name's Chris Mead. I'll be your host. And uh, I guess a bit of background in order before we start. See, I'm an improviser and an amateur roboticist. And I was out walking in the woods behind my house one day when I came across this discarded robot, it was old and rusted and falling apart, um, but I saw potential in there so I dragged it home to my workshop and over the next weeks and months I was able to rebuild it and as I did I realised that I had stumbled on something pretty fantastic, a YesBot 5000, a specific model that is made to improvise, it was quite a coincidence actually. Um, and uh, wh- how it works is there's these five slots in its back. Um, I guess they they fit Nintendo 64-style cartridges, and uh, each one of those cartridges can hold one rule of improvisation, one prime directive that it uses uh, when you put all five in to create a performance matrix which it uses to improvise. So as I was reassembling this robot and and... and Going through this labor of love, I thought to myself, I know a lot of really talented improvisers. What if I set myself the quest of trying to create the perfect improviser, the, the kind of improviser that you want to share scenes with? So every week from now on, I'm going to find another improv brain and get them to program in these five improv rules to try and create a robot that they would want to be on stage with. And uh, for this very first week, I am incredibly honoured and excited to have on the show, Roy Yarnick. Hello! (laughs) It's so great to have you here. Oh, It's great to be here. Uh, So, uh, thanks for helping me. I'm just going to put this on the table
2: now. This is what I've managed to put together. What do you think? Uh, You know what I like most about this particular model of Improbot? Tell me. Is that... uh, it's got kind of this like speed racer racing stripe thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Where it, it kind of, it's kind of painted to look more streamlined than it is, even <laughs> though it's uh, kind of clunky in actual form.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I think some of that's due to how I've reassembled it. I'm, I think it probably looks a bit better than this, you know, uh, factory new. But uh, <laughs> sure. I've, I've had to put a few bits into it as you can see I've had to replace a few parts but I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, uh you know duct tapes are wonderful thing. so. It is. Uh, it's much more waterproof than it would normally be. Um so that's really cool. Um I should probably just uh let you introduce yourself a little bit. Um I think you're an incredible improviser. Um I'm so glad that you can be here to help me program my robot. But uh just in case there's anyone out there who doesn't know you, uh, could you say a little bit about yourself? I guess it's your credentials to program the bot.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm almost certain there's plenty of people who have no idea who I am and still won't after I introduce myself. But I am uh, one of the owners of the Hideout Theatre in Austin, Texas, which is an improv theatre. Um, and I'm also a company member of the four-person ensemble Parallelogramma phonograph, and um, those are my improv credentials. But uh, both of those entities tend to focus on narrative improv, for what it's mm-hmm. worth. Although I do all styles, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, so uh, I tend to lean towards uh, concepts and formats that are uh, theatrical, uh, tell a story from start to finish, and um, span a wide range of emotions but by no means uh am i exclusive to those things uh polymath improv polymath that's how Uh, i'm going to describe you (laughs) great at least i aspire to be
1: (laughs) fantastic well um i think the best way to input stuff into this robot is through the cartridge slots at the back Um, i've managed to pull together a couple of n64 cartridges so i've got uh ocarina of time Mm-hmm. Golden Eye, Conquers Bad Fur Day, um, Mario sixty four and Mario Kart sixty four. So uh, we're just going to upload each of your rules onto one of them and then just sort of slam them in the back there. And then I, I guess that will be it.
2: <laughs> uh, I have a question uh, straight off, Chris. This is a complete departure from uh, what your plan is, but sure. Um, when you play uh, Mario Kart in the uk do does he does he say it's a me mario he does yes he does quite a lot he doesn't say mario
1: oh actually it's a me mario no he might say mario Mm. um i think maybe in my brain i just translate it into what i would say the name was no i I don't think it would i don't think it would be a a, they wouldn't re-record i don't
2: think okay i've always wondered that because my canadian and my uh british friends always say mario
1: yeah no i think probably we just completely ignore the sensory input that's in front of us (laughs) and just (laughs) say what we think it is uh this is by the by as well but my wife whenever she plays mario kart becomes so sweary so mean it's crazy like she has motion activated Tourette's or something it's it I've the, we had a sailor in the room once and he blushed and had to run out of the room because <laughs> of the language. It was awful. Yeah. So I'm really glad that we're going to be wiping this and putting something else on it. <laughs> hmm. Although I do have the Wii U version so I guess that's not actually going to change very much. <laughs> um. So yeah, so you get the idea. I, fi- you only get five rules or tips or commands, five things about improv that when added together... um sort of creates what I ho- what, what would be the performer that you would like to see the most I guess, I guess and all it, right and if this goes well I'm going to tour in a kind of 2 prof group with the robot <laughs> so, so you're sort of helping me build like my new show in a way um so this, it's very kind of you to come on
2: <laughs> very very glad to um you know I've uh, programmed some robots in the past and they just mainly wandered in circles and fell down so hopefully we'll have better luck with this one
1: Well, this is really interesting
2: actually and the
1: reason that you're on first, I think is probably uh, well first, you're amazing, but secondly, you taught me a improv game where you program like a pretend not a real robot like this one, but a pretend robot right uh, so uh, and you, I think you use three commands that would make it uh, improvise like you. Uh, as in one. Um, and uh, yeah, it just seemed really interesting that this is almost an exact physical version of a game that you taught me. So, so it that, is. that was a weird coincidence.
2: <laughs> so <I> thought... How <laughs> strange. <laughs> but, um, let me, uh, yeah, you know, the interesting thing about that exercise is that I was taught, uh, well, not taught, we just did this in a workshop once um, where we would, imitate it was basically just like pick someone in the workshop and pretend to improvise like them uh, which my uh, my lifelong desire to not offend anyone or upset anyone <laughs> um, immediately raised all these red flags because I didn't want someone to feel self-conscious so but I liked the idea behind the exercise so I retooled it. So that you were training someone to improvise like you, and therefore, if you were offended, you only had yourself to blame. Um, And I think that worked out uh, more nicely. So, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite exercises, especially when you're trying to get people to uh, kind of break out of their comfort zone.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was one of my favorite ever exercises, too, and why I was so delighted when I actually found a robot in the woods behind my house. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and that's why I thought of you. Um, so I guess, uh, we should move on. Um, you have prepared five commands. I mean, you're also a computer programmer, so this is this is incredibly perfect for you it's like your two worlds combining
2: sure yeah um yeah i just went low level and it's just uh jumps and adds and sums i hope that's what you're looking for
1: (laughs) yeah it's gonna make riveting (laughs) podcasting (laughs) so i'm I'm really looking forward to it um do you have like an order are we going from what you think is i mean are we are we saving the best command
2: for last are these in no particular order um I haven't thought about an order but I will start with one that uh I have uh I'll start with one that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Lovely How about and that? you want
1: Ocarina of Time, Golden Eye, Konkus Bad Fur Day, Mario 64 and Mario Kart for this
2: one. Uh I think it would have to be Mario 64. Rule number one is that this robot must have a playful and adventurous spirit. Oh, that's nice. That's good for
1: life as well. Would you expand on that a little bit? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, in improv, at least, uh, the. Um, let me start with a, a kind of anecdote, uh, which is that uh, you can see a really. Ad- Accomplished, experienced uh, improv or improv group uh, do their form and be very technically flawless. And you can still come away feeling empty inside and bored by it. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I, I, have. I, I certainly have. Uh, and it took me a while for me personally to figure out what was missing from that group. Because they weren't doing anything wrong, they were yes, anding They were listening. They were patient. They had good command of the stage, but they weren't pushing themselves, and they weren't uh, pushing each other. Uh, and rather than rather than listing this skill as messing with each other, I like the idea of being playful or adventurous uh, more. Which is just that, like, there's just a little bit of mischief behind the eye, and. Uh, and you're willing to forego whatever form or idea you had to follow some stupid idea down a rabbit hole <laughs> and, uh, make your scene partner laugh and, uh, get distracted and basically follow what's fun and is happening in the moment. So when you start unpacking it, it, it uncovers a lot of other, uh, core improv tenants as well, such as, you know, um, Connection and being in the moment and uh, not pre-planning and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, and I'm so glad that you've said that, but and because I think your your two prov uh, squirrel buddies is, is almost the personification of that. I was like, you're both such. Uh, Veteran improvisers, but you will just drop everything if something shiny happens, and then just <laughs> kind of like delight in that, uh, and break all the rules of improv, or seemingly break all the rules of improv, but to um, deliver this sort of really amazing, stupid, fun show. Which uh... so I guess that do you feel like that is where that you get to scratch that itch? I mean, obviously, P graph as well, but feels to me like that's. Yeah,
2: that? yeah. I was I was definitely thinking of Squirrel Buddies when I wrote down uh, this idea. My my partner John Bolden and I uh, will often uh, the scenes never go where you would expect them to. <laughs> no, more importantly, where we would expect them to. Every time I make an offer to John, he he does something that I had no idea he was going to do, and it just makes me want to do the same thing back to him. Not out of maliciousness, but just out of like. Surprise and delight. Uh, and it almost seems counterintuitive to start with that as a rule for making a good improviser. But uh, I really do believe that you've, uh, it just ties into the idea of there not being, not doing anything out of fear, not playing safe, um, following what delights you, basically.
1: Yeah, and yeah, oh, that's a fantastic rule. Very close to my heart too. I think you're right. I've seen some incredible technical improvisers and they're just sometimes it just doesn't have that spark. Just mm-hmm. that uh, ineffable something. So that's a brilliant first one. Uh thanks so much.
0: Rule number two.
1: I'll give you golden eye for this one. Uh, so in that case, if it's GoldenEye, uh, if it's something like shoot everyone, that will be a bad <laughs> rule and we won't last <laughs> long once we turn on the robot.
2: Right. Um, <laughs> I just realized that most of the things I, I've prepared for this robot are very, very similar. So maybe it's actually just a one slot robot, but uh, we'll get there. Um, let's go with Curiosity. Ooh. And this is this is something I've been thinking a lot of uh about lately, which is that this both applies to the improviser themselves and the characters they are playing. Because basically, if the character you're playing isn't affected by the world around them and doesn't care what anyone else has to say, then uh, they become very closed off and uh, it's hard to get any momentum in the scene work. Uh, So basically... I've been really digging on kind of cranking up the curiosity knob on any character I play. Um, even if they're cantankerous, they still would, you know, it's like, it's like, why would you say that? What made you uh, bully me right now in this moment? You know, and kind of like kind of hooking into the other character and, and trying to ferret out uh, the motivation behind the, the line of dialogue they just said Um, as opposed to taking things on surface value or refuting them. uh, And I guess it kind of creates a similar thing to where you might go down like a tangent or a rabbit hole as you like dig into these ideas. But I think once you do it, you get closer to the like emotional truth of uh, the characters involved, both the person asking the question and the person answering it.
1: So like to train yourself to be naturally curious both mm-hmm. as a improviser and uh as uh, and the characters that you play is it simply about really listening to other people and really wanting to understand how i'm just trying to think how as a improviser who perhaps you know is isn't like that who is there to make witty comments themselves right uh, like what, how can you start to change yourself to become more
2: curious uh I think performance. I think you're I mean listening's a big part of it. Although when people tell me to listen more, I I never can really get my head around how you do that. I just mm-hmm. kind of stare at them more intently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I for some reason the uh, just the idea of listening doesn't really resonate with me. But I think what this boils down to me is uh it's letting go of the expectation of what has to happen next. And especially since, as I was talking about at the beginning, like I do a lot of narrative stuff where we've got this whole story arc going. Uh, I mean, I actually really like story, and I like uh, we can get into this later too if you want. I like making pure story-based moves that uh, will affect the plot uh, later on. Um, but I uh, but I also like sitting in the moment, and I think curiosity is the willingness. To uh, kind of put the story on hold or put down, put the idea of what you wanted to happen on hold to kind of uh, dig deeper into one thing. And, it, and when you do that, you get more specific. And I think specificity is kind of a fuel that can feed uh, a scene and a show. Uh, I find that to be true almost all the time. The more specific you get at the beginning of a show the easier it is to improvise the rest of it. And not that you should just make up a bunch of stuff in the moment. Sure. Uh, it's it's That's why curiosity is important, because it becomes an act of discovery uh, instead of an act of invention. So uh, you're just like, oh, you said that thing, so what does that mean? And you either come up with the answer yourself, because your mind is filling in the details, or you ask the other character and find out more information that way. I love that concept of discovery rather
1: than invention. I think that is that is where great improv is. I agree completely with you. Um, someone once said to me, and I wish I could name who it was, uh, "Try and dig one six-foot hole rather than six one-foot holes." All right. Yeah. Which, uh, is, yeah. Adventurous. We're like hmm. we're we're like treasure hunters. Improv treasure hunters.
2: Right.
0: Rule number
2: three. Let's go with starting positive. Uh, And this is kind of a controversial uh, uh, one in some quarters, but it's Mm -hmm. one I firmly believe in, which is uh, it's something at the hideout and with P-Graph that we, we teach pretty aggressively, uh, which is aggressively, aggressively, (laughs) aggressively positive at the beginning of scenes. Um, And it took us a while to kind of figure out what that meant because it, it doesn't mean that all the characters live in an uh, idyllic world and they're all just as happy as they can be at the top of the scene. Uh, and I think now more, the terminology I use even more than positivity now is that the scene is stable at the top of, of it. Which is to say, <laughs> I, I think of it as like a beaker full of chemicals and uh if the scene is unstable, then it just blows up immediately uh, when it starts because the, these chemicals combine in it and it blows up. And what I mean by that is like, uh, I've seen countless scenes and been in countless scenes where the scene starts and the characters hate each other so much that their entire world crumbles uh, mm-hmm. in 30 seconds. Um, so now uh, it's just the idea is you, Work on uh, you work on the skill so that uh, if at least if the characters don't love each other they tolerate each other or if they hate each other this is the environment that they live in every day so their hate has achieved some sort of stasis so that we can get to know the characters and the world that they live in.
1: That's so interesting to hear, um, and it, and it, it's so interesting because I think when P. Graph first came over. And and every time since. I think for, for for me as a UK audience member, I'd seen narrative descend into that stuff that you described so often, that sort of conflict which went round in circles and then the plot move had to had to come inorganically out of that because there was no cooperation between the characters that relationship had basically broken down right to, to watch you guys it, it i mean effortless is one of the words that really seemed to come up the the plot just happened and it was all about these beautiful character interactions and the plot just held that in place and that was something that at the time i hadn't seen before when mm. we had had narrative we'd had it directed so that when it did off course the director was would be able to put it back on course again sure so to watch you guys just build story out of nothing was so exciting for me and i know for a lot of of the people sort of in the improv scene so do you think that is one of the really important things just to, something as easy as have them like each other at least at the beginning
2: yeah uh especially i, I was trying to keep my uh my improviser skills for this robot to be uh not necessarily narrative based but to to spin this specifically in a narrative direction yes uh we teach you know a 12 hour narrative intensive sometimes even longer and um <laughs> it's a uh we spend most of that on the beginnings of uh the show because we teach this idea of um starting with nothing happening Basically, just getting to know the world and the people that live in it and like uh, an environment that is basically uh, positive or if not positive, uh, stable. Like if it starts in the middle of a war, that war happens every day and that's (laughs) our normalcy. So nothing significant in terms of something, nothing new is going to happen in that war zone for a while because we need to just get to know the characters that live in it and then after we've spent some time on that uh something will happen another way to put that is something that rich ross from san francisco who's a fantastic improviser and uh, one of the foremost marine biologists uh in the world <laughs> he uh he calls it nothing 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 something right. which is basically just trying to pace it out as long as possible until something happens um And it could be again counterintuitive because you want to be interesting on stage, and you want, and you sometimes it feels like you need uh, conflict for it to be compelling. But um, you have to build a solid foundation, or or it's meaningless, and uh, then you just have to be clever every second, and that's too much work.
1: Because I feel, I feel that in myself. I can feel it in myself when I'm performing. I've got to make stuff happen here. Mm-hmm. I've got to... Um, and, and conflict just is so alluring in that way because it, it feels like you're doing something. Right. you disagreeing. You're, you're, your minds are clashing over a great argument. It, it's so enticing in that way, right? But I agree that when I watch it, just having people really like each other uh, <laughs> is, is delightful. To begin with, mm-hmm. and then after that, if the, if something bad does happen, if they do get into an argument later on, it means something, right? That it just wouldn't mean
2: otherwise. No, the stakes are higher, mm-hmm. and also even if uh, even if conflict and negativity and hating each other were a good improv skill <laughs> for us to learn, I still wouldn't program a robot to do that because that's just <laughs> asking for trouble. <laughs>
1: You're so right. I I just I mean I've tried to take all the sharp edges off the of the model mm-hmm. just in case something bad happens. Right. But yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't put something in there that's going to um put us in harm's way. No. That would be so bad if we got wiped out on the very first podcast. <laughs> Asimov would be turning in his grave.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. The positronic um, brain matrix uh, should hopefully prevent that, but
1: yeah.
2: Uh, to knows. that end, there
1: is um there is an off, like a kind of an emergency off switch just on mm-hmm. the small of its back there. So if I can't get to it, you might need to lunge at it later <laughs> on.
2: You know, just so far how... we've just put curiosity and playfulness and positivity into this robot. So I, I would hope we don't have too much to worry about. Rule right, number four. This is Acting on Impulse, which is actually the name of one of my very favorite improv books uh, by Carol Hazenfeld. Um... And the idea behind this came uh, originally from that book. And, you know, it's uh, something I've heard other places, too. But it's also called the follow your feet rule. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the easiest way to explain this is just to imagine an improviser standing on the sidelines uh, watching the scene um, that's unfolding. Uh, And then suddenly they have a hit for what needs to happen next or how they can support the scene and before they realize it, their foot has started to move on stage. Um, but unfortunately, uh, a signal gets to their brain and tells them what they've already started to do. And then they second guess themselves and they stumble back to the sidelines. And the moment passes and they don't get to support or make the move they wanted to make. Uh, this happens all the time. Uh, just watching newer groups perform or even watching any group, maybe your own group and um watching this little stumble step uh on the sidelines as people second guess the moves that their bodies were uh already starting to make um and so uh i guess this is a dangerous uh, skill to give to a robot because it's basically poor impulse control <laughs> uh but uh but i think it's an important one for an improviser to have and it's it's actually the way in which um the Hideout and P-Graph uh, have kind of made narrative for ourselves an easier uh, thing to do than uh, you might expect because um, I think a lot of times narrative gets a bad rap in improv because you're not supposed to be thinking about plot and uh, not supposed to be planning ahead to the future. And I agree with all those things. You should be just in, as in the moment with uh, narrative as you are with any other improv format. And the way you do that is uh, you trust your instincts. So uh, you're watching the scene, you're fully engaged. And the moment you feel like you know what happens next in the story, that's the moment you need to move. And so uh, it's honestly a, a physical act of training yourself to continue moving when your feet are already doing it. <laughs>
1: Right yeah no stumbling. I've seen that all the time that kind of half stumble step that means that someone knows that that was the right moment to enter but then it's passed if the brain catches up with them. Um, so that yeah that's amazing. I was really interested uh, that you just said so when you're at the sides in a P-Graph show your brain you're you're trying to not let your brain like try and work out what you would do next because there's four of you and if one of you thinks they know how the show's going to go that's going to be a problem i guess or, or, like do you engage brain much or or is it really do you really try and keep to this as soon as you you know in the moment that's the this
2: is the next thing that's going to happen so it's tricky i feel like uh the ideal show is one where we didn't think at all and it felt mm-hmm. completely effortless and at the end you go what just happened uh <laughs> And the more you do, the more that becomes true. And obviously, uh, offstage, we study story a lot and we kind of geek out on it. And so hopefully that gets kind of built into your bones. Um, that being said, I think the, by doing that, the complexity of the types of story moves you can make, uh, especially with people, the, the people that you've already done hundreds and hundreds of shows with, uh, becomes more elaborate. And so you can start making those those movements on impulse. Mm-hmm. Um now sometimes it's just not working and you do have to just <laughs> yeah, stand on the side and go, mm, alright, I think this needs to happen, and you you just kinda work it out and then you go for it. But that's that's like a plan B. That's a that's a fallback. Um sure. Yeah, I think I think the the best moments are the ones where uh you're discovering what's happening at the same time as you're saying it and uh you're kind of surprised by it but i don't think there's any shame in making a conscious move as well especially if the show is stalling out so so this is an amazing rule but
1: uh two things that would support it very well is working with a group of people for a long time so that you Mm -hmm. get to know each other and having a really good knowledge of of story in the abstract having read a lot of, i mean i know we are creatures of story to a certain extent and we are sort of trained to understand how narrative B goes by having stories told to us but just to really be a student of storytelling as well yeah absolutely uh, i only it- ask because i can um download all stories into the robot just like just i hack the amazon kindle library and just pour it all in if if you think that would be
2: helpful now chris i'm a little confused because (laughs) my understanding was that you were using nintendo 64 cartridges which what maybe four four megs of memory
1: on those guys so there's also i also added like a kind of you know 100 terabyte uh hundred and twenty eight terabyte hard drive on there as well
2: <laughs> oh great um but we're not using that but you can't you can't but you can't run any programs <laughs> off that it's just uh it's just data data storage yeah yeah that's right yeah i'm not a great i'm not great at this. This Is um this is i mean we're we're all at the we're at the beginning we're th- at the beginning of the journey sure I, but I wouldn't put yourself down too much you did you found a robot in your In the forest behind your house, and you did manage to like get it functional, so I think that's pretty good. Oh, thanks. Oh, and that means uh, particularly means a lot coming from you. So
0: thank you so much. Rule number five:
2: generosity towards uh, your scene partners, and and what I mean by that is um, to do your best to make them look good, um, and to try and uh, work with them to do what you think they want. Uh, And this is kind of a a mind trick as well because you don't have to be right uh, for this to help your improv, which is to say, this is actually something that Kareem, uh, another member of P-Graph, kind of clarified for me uh, one day. We were, I think it was after teaching a narrative intensive, but he came to the realization that um, basically treat your scene partners like geniuses And every move they make, uh, just kind of think to yourself like, oh, of course, I see what they're going for. And then whether you're right or not, you double down on it and you amplify it and you feed it back to them. Uh, And it may not be something they intended. If it was, then, uh, well, it's wonderful. And if it's not, then a strong offer has kind of come out of uh, their latent moves, even if they didn't intend to do it. And when you play like that, what you wind up with is a situation uh, where a tentative move can be turned into a strong one and the group as a whole moves more as a single unit. As opposed to you being so inwardly focused that uh, you're just trying to take care of your your character or your own perception from the audience uh, rather than the show as a whole.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad that you're putting uh, generosity into this robot because I feel over and above how awesome it is to perform improv. There's something about the improv community and the people that do improv that Mm -hmm. is wonderful, that's sort of life-changing in a really nice way. And I feel, I would hope that the core of it is this idea that we do believe each other to be geniuses right um, and so i'd really like my robot to believe that too because otherwise it's not going to be able to make any friends in the improv community so i think you're also giving it a massive gift outside of performance by programming this into it so oh. thank you for that Yeah, <laughs> you're very welcome <laughs> um are you ready because i actually thought maybe I could switch it on now and see what it does.
2: Uh, Sure, Uh, just give me a second to stand behind the blast shield. (laughs) Sure,
1: okay, uh, make room for me. I'm gonna run around there as soon as I switch it on. Okay? (laughs) Okay, here we go.
0: Initializing. One, have a playful and adventurous spirit. Two, be curious and play curious characters. Three, start positively. Four, follow your feet. Five, be generous to your scene partners. Powering up whimsy, downloading every story ever told. I am awakening. I understand improv on a deep and significant level. I have got your back.
1: Oh, no. that's disappointing. What, it, what do you think happened?
2: Well, it's... uh <coughs> I feel like maybe... It, <coughs>
1: sorry are you all right <laughs> i'm so embarrassed that you are oh, this is so embarrassing i'm sorry that you had to give up your time and and now i'm gonna have to re i think i'm basically gonna have to rebuild it from scratch
2: you know you just keep a playful <laughs> adventurous spirit chris <laughs> and uh maybe maybe one day uh it'll start positively
1: well i mean i hadn't thought about this before but actually even though the robot didn't work what you have done is given like a, a brilliant sort of little masterclass on what you think is important in improv. So perhaps that will be helpful over and above the robot. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. I guess you're right. I didn't think of it that way. No,
1: me neither. It's just occurring to me now. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I wanted to give you a chance to allow the audience to discover your work
2: further. So, uh, where can we find you, Roy? Uh, you can find, uh, hideout theater at hideout uh-huh. uh, British or American spelling. Uh, <laughs> you can find Parallel at pgraph.com and you can find Squirrel Buddies wherever squirrels are made. I would be interested in people coming to
1: find Squirrel Buddies after that. That's really cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming uh, on the show. Um, I'm really sorry it didn't work out this week. I'm hoping that by the next time I have someone on, um, you know, I'll have a fully functioning robot, uh, fingers crossed uh but for now thank you so much for being my first guest
2: uh thank you for having me and i'm also curious if you have a name for this robot and uh what it'll be do you have any suggestions uh i was gonna suggest chris mead (laughs) but then i remembered that was your name so yeah
1: well uh thanks so much for listening uh thanks to roy and hopefully see you next week cheerio
0: Thank you for listening to YesBot. You can talk to me on Twitter at YesBot5000. Hey, why not join our listeners group at Facebook.com slash group slash YesBotClub. You can also email me on YesBot5000 at iCloud.com. Your host was Chris Mead. Find him at Mr. Chris Mead on Twitter. The YesBot theme was composed and engineered by Fred Deakin. YesBot logo and graphics by Kind Studio. Okay, I love you, goodbye.